Jamie and I with you here on a Wednesday afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your day. Got a busy one for you yet again here on the Green Zone. Jermarcus Hardrick, Saskatchewan Rough Riders offensive lineman, will join us about moving from Winnipeg to Saskatchewan and why he would leave a team that has gone to four straight Grey Cups for one who has missed the playoffs two straight years, or did it just come down to the Riders are going to pay him more? Also, I'm curious. Andre Marcus Hardrick, because we talked to Belton Johnson about this. Belton Johnson hails from Coffeyville, Mississippi. Jermarcus Hardrick is from just outside of Batesville, Mississippi. They're a half an hour drive apart. I'm just wondering if Jermarcus has ever been to Coffeyville, Mississippi. Um, and take us a little closer to Belton Johnson's home. Belton was pumped when he heard where Jamarcus Hardrick was from. He's like, I drove through his hometown all the time, up towards Memphis and everything else. And so we'll chat a little bit with Jamarcus Hardrick coming up this afternoon. Double take with Daryl Davis, and we'll talk to the new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers. Larry Abney has a heck of a story. He was a journeyman pro, never played in the NBA. He was a development coach with the uh, Lakers with Doc Rivers, or the Clippers, sorry, with Doc Rivers in Los Angeles. But his journey to Saskatchewan to be the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rattlers, he played in nine different countries in his basketball career. So the man isn't afraid to jump on a plane and discover something new, as he will uh, on his way to Saskatchewan to coach the CEBL franchise. So we'll catch up with him a little bit later on this afternoon. But real quick last night, did you see the goal in the National Hockey League last night? It might be the goal of the year, ladies and gentlemen. I've retweeted it at Jamie Nye on uh, on Twitter or X or whatever you're calling it nowadays. Quinton Byfield of the LA Kings might have the goal of the year. That's a piece of with the D. Oh, oh, what are you going to do? He's shooting roof, Daddy. Oh, look at that. Look at this. Look at that. Okay, that wasn't the call. This was in the National Hockey League uh, last night uh, for Quinton Byfield, an impressive one uh, for the L.A. King. Rice with speed by field around one man in on goal. Scores! What a goal! Quinton Byfield! You had Clark in Boston. Watch this. At this point, coming up right here, I thought it was over. Look at the forework. He kicks the puck back to his stick. You talking a big man right there, back, and then able to hoist it. He has to get it over the pad. Now, this is all one-on-one. He had enough speed to make it dangerous for Wenski. Yeah, it was unreal coordination by Quinton Byfield. He actually did split the D. Didn't quite go roof, Daddy, but it is a play where you need to look at that, look at this, look at that on Quinton Byfield last night for the LA Kings. It'll be on the highlight package at the end of the year when they do goals of the year. If that's not top three, I want to see the other goals in the National Hockey League, because that one was unreal. 
by Quinton Byfield. Of course, goal scorers are the name of the game a little bit in the NHL tonight. Austin Matthews, he's going for 50 and 54, which is an unreal pace in the modern-day NHL. But we are seeing more offense. We are seeing more goal scoring. We are seeing those numbers rise again outside of the dead puck era when it was like, hey, he won the uh, the Maurice Richard trophy with 42 goals. Now it's 50 is going to be common again, I believe, in the NHL. In the fact, we'll get one or two a year, maybe three in the National Hockey League. Thank goodness. But Austin Matthews going for 50 and 54 games Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs in Phoenix tonight against Arizona. And there's another story out of Arizona that we continue to watch, and that is how long they're going to play at Mullet Arena. Watching Pierre Lebrun last night on TSN break it down, because the other story out of Arizona is the Diamondbacks want a new stadium, and it doesn't look like they want to pay either for the baseball team this day, so maybe they're moving too. You'll have the Phoenix Suns and the football team as the only pro franchises in the Valley. But a decision needs to be made. And Pierre Lebrun said probably by the end of March, they do have to make a schedule. When Atlanta moved to Winnipeg, that was like in May. So that was the last time we saw a franchise move. But it seems like things are getting to the point of dire straits for the Arizona Coyotes on how long the NHL and really the Board of Governors of the National Hockey League want to live like this. Like, if you don't get shovels in the ground, ladies and gentlemen, move the damn franchise. It is a joke that tonight Austin Matthews might get to 50 and 54 in front of 4,800 fans. And it's a packed stadium at 4,800. This is a professional hockey league. But it is his kind of hometown in Arizona. Uh, so Matthews might get it tonight. Terry Koshin is going to join us tomorrow of the uh, Toronto Sun. As all, The other story yesterday was Morgan Riley's suspension being upheld by Gary Bettman in the National Hockey League. He will serve his fifth and final game tonight and then be back at it against the Vegas Golden Knights. And another story we're going to discuss, is there a bounty gate? in junior hockey in Canada? Remember Bounty Gate in the National Football League? Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. Sean Payton got suspended for an entire year. Of course, Sean Payton, that's the same guy who's coming to Saskatoon, by the way, for Dog's Breakfast as their guest speaker, the head coach. But that was in New Orleans. It's not over 10 years ago. But... The OHL is investigating the Sudbury Wolves for the potential of a bounty put on a member of the Barry Colts. And this involves two 17-year-old players in that league. A member of the Colts hit another guy from the Sudbury Wolves, and they were about to play again when the Colts got word that there was a bounty out for one of their players. And it was a legal hit, by the way. Uh, the the other player that he hit didn't get missed time, really. He's been playing for the last month. But it was the first time they went head-to-head, so the Barry Colts didn't dress the player because they were concerned. 
they heard that there was a bounty out for this player. So we'll see. Is it Was it a coach-driven thing? Was it a player-driven thing? But allow me to be a bit of a cynic here, and maybe more of a realist than anything. Okay, there's an investigation and a bounty. But ladies and gentlemen, those who have been around hockey for 40 years or so, you telling me this is going to be the first time that a guy hit one of your players and there wasn't, hey, uh, 50 bucks uh, up for grabs for somebody uh, laying them out, give them a solid hit. Maybe it was a fight. The investigation continues. I'm not saying and condoning what they did, but I think you got your head buried in the sand if you think this was the first bounty. It was just this one, as always. And as the National Football League bounty was, they were the team that got caught. But they weren't the first team to do it. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with you here on the Green Zone. An update on Skylar Ackerman's ranked team Saskatchewan at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts in Calgary. And it's good news this morning with a win over Newfoundland Labrador. 9-6 was the final. They improved to 4-3. and three. They only have one game left in their round robin. It comes tonight against BC. And there's two teams from BC. Of course, the wildcard teams are actually representing their province this year. I kind of like that. I know it, you know, you'll see two Manitoba teams take each other on or two BC or two Alberta teams, but at least they're representing their province rather than team wildcard 2 with the weird joker logo. They actually are representing something. But they take on BC who's 3 and 3. Northern Ontario's three and three. Manitoba's team, Caitlin Laws, the skip, three and three. Quebec, three and three. Saskatchewan's four and three. Five teams with three losses. One of them will make the playoff round, the final six. And here's the story for Skylar Ackerman if you're watching tonight. She can clinch a playoff spot if. She beats BC. Like she'll have to beat BC anyways. She needs to win tonight. So if they beat BC, Northern Ontario beats Quebec, and Canada beats Caitlin Laws of Manitoba, that'll actually clinch a playoff spot for Skylar Ackerman, Saskatchewan rank. Now, if they need to win. Bottom line, they need to win. And then they need some dominoes to fall. But as as I said, Anderson will be the favorite over Laws, and McCarville will be the favorite over Quebec. It's just a matter of can Saskatchewan beat the team out of BC, who's really improved their play over the last uh, 24 hours, curling 92% and curling 83% in their last two games. Saskatchewan has still been having some issues figuring out the ice at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, but... 
They're four and three and getting close in their first ever Scotty. That would be something in their first ever Scotties to make the playoff round. And we can talk about the playoff round when it gets to there on Friday. I hate this format. It makes no sense to me. Getting first in the pool gives you pretty well nothing. First and second, then they play to see who goes to the one-two page playoff game, and then the loser plays the third place team. And they like, wait, if you win the pool, shouldn't you go to the one-two page playoff game? Then the other teams figure it out to make the other. No, that's not what they're doing this year. But I digress. I think it's a silly format, but they'll never get it right. Uh, congratulations, by the way, here on the Green Zone as uh, we're getting into the Canada West basketball playoffs. And Jade Belmore of the University of Regina Cougars was named Female Basketball Player of the Year and also first-team All-Star, along with a member of the Saskatchewan Huskies, Gage Grassick was also a member of that team. Uh, Ryan Schutz made the all-rookie team out of the University of Regina Cougars. And congratulations to Lisa Tomitis, once again for the sixth time in her great career as the head coach of the University of Saskatchewan Huskies women's basketball team with a 19-1 and record this year, was named Canada West Coach of the Year. On the men's side of things, a first-team All-Stars, nobody from uh, Saskatchewan, but on the all-rookie team for the men's side, uh, Easton Thim out of the uh, Huskies was an all-rookie team nominee this year in Canada West basketball. And we'll keep you up to date on how the uh, Cougars and the Huskies are doing on the women's side in the Canada West playoffs. Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Still to come, double take with uh, Daryl Davis here on the Green Zone. But right now, we are joined by the newest member of the Rough Riders offensive line, signed last week in CFL Free Agency, uh, turning in the uh, Royal Blue of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to return in the Green and White, where he uh, started his CFL career uh, way back in 2015 is Jermarcus Hardrick on the Green Zone. Jermarcus, welcome back to Saskatchewan. Man, thanks, man. How you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Very to be back. We we are happy to have you back after a great couple of years with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But I need to know just why? Why would you leave the dynasty of the Bombers to come help rebuild the Riders? Well, it was a couple of things that played in it. I was, I was, I was kind of looking for market value or to see what my market was. I've never really tested the market. I was always kind of selfish to my wife until I was comfortable there. And she kind of always wanted me to test it. And we kind of ended up testing it and some things fell in our, in our order. And I wasn't looking for a new, new challenge or a new direction or a new motivation. But after talking to Mace and talking to my wife, it sounds like something I want to be a part of. I started my uh, career in 2014 with BC, but in 2015, it was the old stadium, and I, I got a chance to feel that love from Saz. We were 0-9, and I think we got our first win at Labor Day. 
And I don't know, I won a great cup. Now it felt like we won a great cup, Dan. It was our first win of the year. So I know what I'm stepping into, and I'm excited. Yeah, I, you were one of those guys who had to wait a little bit. Naaman Roosevelt was the other, and I was thinking, oh, man, next season maybe bring back Jermarcus Hardrick. But, of course, uh, things led to another. You have two Grey Cups with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What you have learned in Winnipeg over the last couple of years, so, so much is made about the culture there. How much is that culture theirs and the riders can't just say, hey, Jamarcus, how do we build culture? How much do you guys just have to make it yourselves for a new culture in the room here in Saskatchewan? Uh, I answer the first part. First, you know, I come to the second. But in Winnipeg, the culture thing is real. It's from the top down. It's from the people in the ticket office. It's from the equipment staff, from the players. Everyone there with one goal. And it was, I have no, not one bad thing to say about Winnipeg. And, I just had a great time there. Everyone there had one goal. We didn't look at the results. We didn't look up at the scoreboard. We wanted to work hard every day. And when you played us, no matter if you won or lost, you know you had just played us. And and from that, from doing that for years and years and winning day in and day out, the success started to show later. And I was glad to be there. And they was patient with us and patient with Ocean, patient with a lot of guys on that team, and it paid off. And and for as far as it happening in SAS, I won't. I can be a part of it, and I'm excited, man. We got a lot of great men there from the guys they signed and the guys they have there. Man, we just have to all make this thing one thing, man. I know a lot of us have a different background, different story. We have to put our ego away, put our past away. Let's make this thing about us and just build it day by day. We're trying to do that right now. We're already texting. We're already getting to know each other as much as we can, much as we can over the phone and text. And when we get there, it's about building that bond, getting to know each other, see what makes what, see what makes someone tick, what doesn't make them tick, starting to love on guys, so, showing that you care. More than talk about it, just, we need to just be about it. And I think the more we be about it and be great men and do things the right way, I don't know when it'll happen, but things will start turning around. Jermarcus Hardrick joining us, signed in free agency by the Rough Riders coming over from the Blue Bombers. Uh, AJ Olette had talked about you saying you were texting back and forth. I want to go where you go. He wanted you wanted to go where you were going. You signed first. Uh, where did that relationship develop with AJ Olette? Now you're the guy you'll be blocking for in the run game. Oh, uh, I say it was after Christmas. After I had talked to my agent and I, I had a feeling that I was going to the window, and I started reading um, CFL things. Started seeing guys who was going to the window. And I probably messaged 10 to 15 guys. Uh, probably went to their private. Didn't get a lot of response. But AJ was one of those guys who responded. One of those guys I respected on film. One of those guys I was seeing that was getting a lot of, a lot of attention, which he should. He's earned that. And, uh, I sent him a message and we messaged back and forth. And it's just been one of those guys that's just working our way. I kind of signed before him. I actually didn't even wait. I heard him. I think I watched his show and I heard him say that. But it's just been great building that relationship with AJ. We're already texting, talking to Trevor. It just it just feels like a good decision for me and my family. What are you getting to know about uh, Trevor Harris, uh, the, the the KG veteran, on what he wants to see from this football team and what he learned from last year, of course, unfortunately hurt. But uh, what do you see from the leader uh, in the huddle already from Trevor Harris? I just see him being vulnerable because this is new offense with us. He's uh he's not he when I talk to him he's he's getting to know the playbook want to get together talk on the playbook 
He's not acting like he know it all. I don't. I didn't expect that from him anyway. But he just he just was vulnerable, but vulnerable, telling me the things I need to hear, telling me about the family. Just want to get better. and want to get in this playbook and want to get this family tight as we can get it before we get there. And those are all the things I stand for. You can tell there have been guys who have won championships there, guys who have played at a high level, because I had like 12 or so notes I wrote down. And every guy I talked to before I even get to my notes, they already said everything I'm saying. So I feel like we've got a good group of guys coming together, and we just got to put it on film, man. The way you play, you're, you are a high-energy football player um, with, of course, a lot of physicality, uh, especially – in uh, the run game of coming over from Winnipeg. has it, Have you always played that way? Have you always been that way as a kid growing up in Cortland, Mississippi? Man, I've always been that way. I used to get in trouble in high school because I was just a big guy on the O-line or playing tight end, and it could be a five-yard run, and I feel like I had a good block. Now that I look back on it, it was selfish and wasn't one part of the team. It was all. It was a little bit more about me, but I wasn't making it about that. If I made a good block, I couldn't control it. I worked all week trying to make that block. I went to sleep that week thinking about pancake block. I've always been a guy running after the ball, chasing the ball. It was just my release coming from a small town of 300 people from everyone lives in trailer. Football was like, football was their release. I can go out here. I can be rough. I can't do this in the classroom. Um, the older you get, you can start saying things on the field. And it was just one of those things that, I started finding myself in, but I've always been a guy. I used to get in trouble for class clowning and all that. So a little, a little bit of it is class clowning, always making the jokes, always having fun, always dancing. Just a part of me, but it took me to become a pro and become, getting cut five or six times to know it's a time and a place. So I'm not perfect. I know we're in a passing league. We're going against great defense here. So I'm not perfect. So I try to make up for it in the run game and, uh, I'm just looking for the guys to have my back, and I'm going to have their back. And, yeah, man, we just we just got to get our mentality right, get everything right. I'm excited, man. Just talking to Mace, talking to J.O., guys that don't want it, guys that have been in the high level, how they want to run meetings, the input they're getting from guys, just making an open line of communication. That stuff really matters. After I won, I didn't know when I was a younger guy, but going to fourth grade gate cups, being able to walk in there and talk and give their ideas and bounce off deals, no secrets, and just being able to talk, that stuff goes a long way. From where you were, you, you talked about Cortland, Mississippi, uh, living in a in a trailer park. How hard was the fight to become a Grey Cup champion professional football player, even going through JUCO before you got your chance in college college ball? Yeah, I, I don't – it's weird to say. I don't think anything in football can break me just growing up, like growing up the way I did. I didn't even know that things were bad or things were looked at as poor where I'm from until I went to college. I thought everybody grew up like that. I thought everyone grew up in a trailer park. Everyone boil water to take their baths. I thought everyone shared clothes. I thought everyone had 16 siblings. I'm from a small town, so it's only nine last names. So everyone has a lot of siblings. Everyone has a lot of kids. I thought that was normal. Then I got to college, and I seen, like, oh, every time I tell a story, people act like I'm – making things up or putting it like this. So when social media came around, I was every time I went home, I showed it so, so, uh, to show people how I was, where I was from, and that I'm really from the sticks and from the country. And now that I couldn't play football, I don't, I don't feel like anything that can happen in football can break my mentality or 
just put me in a bad mood. I know I, know I want to be better. I, I don't like when bad things happen, but I always think back to choosing between lights and water and things like that or seeing my mom struggle or anybody down there struggle. It didn't look like struggle to me because I was a kid outside having fun. I always ate. I always had something to do. Uh, when video games came out, we went to Blockbuster and got them. So I always, I just had a regular normal life that I thought. Well, your nickname's Yoshi. Was it? Was that because you were uh, a great gamer with the uh, like Nintendo or what? No, I actually I went to Boys and Girls Club, and one of my best friends' name was Mario. And fast forward this story, we was there for about a year or two. Found out I had the same dad as Mario. But every time they seen Mario, they said, "Here comes his little brother Yoshi," and uh, I hated it for a little bit. And I found out I was his brother. Then once the football coaches found, because Mario's two years older than me, once he played football, they saw his little brother Yoshi. Once the football coaches started calling you Yoshi, you're Yoshi to the teachers, to everyone, especially in a small town. And it's, and I've been Yoshi ever since. And uh, yeah, especially my football name. Now that I'm getting older and I'm doing more resumes and trying to be out more in the community, try to use the market as much as I can. But I don't have a problem anyone calling me. Yoshi, Jamarcus, anything. Well, now you're wearing green, so it all's coming together, uh, Jamarcus, uh, with uh, the color green and Yoshi. But uh, we need to get you together with our game day analyst. Our game day analyst, his name is Belton Johnson. He went to Ole Miss. He's from Coffeyville, Mississippi, about a half an hour's drive from where you're from. I can imagine the stories you two could share growing up in the country in northern Mississippi. Oh, yeah, I've heard the name. I know... I kept up with Ole Miss growing up. I'm only 10 minutes, 20 minutes from Ole Miss growing up, so Ole Miss was my life, and I always kept up with the big man. Uh, uh, I used to follow him on Twitter, I think, when I was a, when I, when I was old, old fast. But, yeah, I know the name. I'm excited to meet him. I love to see a country boy who makes it out of, makes it out of that environment and gets to the big city, man. Well, Jamarcus, uh, welcome back to Saskatchewan, and thanks for doing this today. It's uh, great catching up. No worries, man. I'm excited to see you guys. Hope everyone's doing great, man. Take care. That is Jermarcus Hardrick, one of the newest members of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, signed last week in CFL free agency to help lock down the tackle spot for the Rough Riders offensive line, protecting Trevor Harris and opening up the holes for the new guy as well in A.J. Olet. You you just feel the energy from is. Is it May yet? Are we at training camp? I'm all of a sudden really, I, I want to get this thing started with this new football team that Corey Mason, Jeremy O'Day have already built this offseason. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Oh, Mr. Plow, that's my name. That name again is Mr. Plow. Yes, you can track plows now in Saskatchewan, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the uh, government. The Highways Department announced today on the Highway Hotline, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Let's play along together, okay? So I'm looking at the Highway Hotline. You uh, click the little tab uh, that says Track My Plow, and then all of a sudden you see these uh, brown icons for a plow, and let's uh, go to one in Melville, uh, and you can just drag over, and it started... South of Melville about an hour ago. Made its way into Melville about nine minutes ago. That's how you can track plows now in Saskatchewan. If you're thinking, oh, are the highway's bad, are they good? Oh, it doesn't look that great. Oh, a plow just went through. That should be a good sign. 
uh, to maybe that the conditions are a little better than what the highway hotline is reading. So, yes, you can track your plows on the highway hotline. Technology now is just, it is amazing. Let's just put it, it's amazing, isn't it? You can go to a website and see that a plow entered Melville nine minutes ago. And if that plow driver is listening to the Green Zone, uh, thanks for tuning in. We are tracking you live on the radio. Let's get to this day in sports. Is this a Bridge Farm remembers. This day in sports history, let's go back in 1989. Pete Rose met with the commissioner of Major League Baseball to discuss his gambling issues. Let's just say it didn't end well for Pete Rose uh, following that meeting over the years. In 2002, the Canadian world champion women's team wins the first of four consecutive winter gold medals with a 3-2 win over the United States, Salt Lake City. Remember that one? That was Haley Wickenheiser and her interview with Don Cherry. They had our flag on their floor, and now I want to know if they want us to sign it, was Haley Wickenheiser after that gold medal in 2002. And a little CFL history happened on this day in sports. The day was February the 21st. The year was 1995, and it was announced that the Sacramento Gold Miners of the CFL were on the move and would now be known as the San Antonio Texans. Those and more happened on this day in sports, February 21st. 